Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. We will be in the book of Romans, uh, 12th chapter this morning. If you find your place there. <clears throat> ask you to stand to your feet and we'll read a few verses of Scripture. I'm <clears throat> going to start reading with verse number 9. <clears throat> Romans chapter 12 and verse number 9. <clears throat> Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one toward another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessities of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Let's have a word of prayer. <clears throat> Lord, I'm just so very thankful for the service this morning, thankful for everyone that is here. Lord, across this congregation, we know that there are many different needs, Lord, many different places that, that people are in their spiritual walk. Lord, I'm not capable of, of reaching each one of those, but the Holy Spirit is. So right now, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit. And I pray that all that listen, Lord, would, would be filled with your spirit and an open heart to hear. And Lord, if there be any loss, Lord, I pray that you would draw them to you today. In Jesus' name, I'd ask it. Amen. <clears throat> you can be seated. This probably isn't a great way to start the message out, but I, but I, I think that it is true um, I think this may be the hardest message I've ever preached. Um, I don't say that because it's going to be hard to deliver. I don't even say that because it's going to be hard for you to hear. I say that because it's going to be very hard to live out. Uh, I, I would go a little farther. I would say it's going to be impossible to live out. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But I, I wanted to point out, before we get into the text, I wanted to point out, um, how many of you are glad the fast is almost over? I mean, Friday we get to go back talking about people, all right? Running people down, being bad. We get to do that. Wouldn't that be great? And we made a lot of jokes about that, and a lot of, a lot of funny things have been said. Uh, the truth is, I, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm just guessing there's not any of you that's uh, really kept the fast. Am I right? <laughs> is there anybody that's not said anything bad about anybody for this whole, uh, this whole month? But I want to say this. I'm not smart enough to do this, but I was blown away when I realized this is the last Sunday of the fast, 
in where we find ourselves in the scripture. It's like God just said, this is the message uh, that, that will end the fast and, and will, will help you. So uh, God's timing is amazing. God is amazing. Uh, so I, we're going to talk about love this morning. Uh, but I think that love, if you remember, if you were here last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit. And we said this, that if you're a Bible believer, you believe in the Holy Spirit, right? You, you really can't be a Bible believer and say, I don't believe in the Holy Spirit, right? But we said that it's been so perverted and so twisted that the teaching has been so horrible on the Holy Spirit that most Christians, I would dare say literally most Christians don't understand the Holy Spirit. And that was last week's message. But I think it's the exact same thing today. You cannot be a Bible believer and say, I don't believe in love. Can you, can you say, I don't believe in love and, and be a, you know, you can't do that. But how many of you know that that has been so perverted that I fear we don't really know what love is anymore? I really think we don't know what love is. And so we have the we have the fundamental churches and they say, you know, because the Bible says so they say we believe in love. And what they really mean is if you will keep our list and do everything we tell you to do, we will love you. And we when we treat you really bad and cold show you, it's because we love you. Right. Everything is about love. I, I There's a preacher that I listen to. He's probably one of the most conservative preachers on the planet. He, he's super, 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 super conservative. He's a fundamental to the core. And, and if, I think if you were to travel in his circles, he's probably one of the most conservative pe- preachers you'll ever listen to. And this is what he said, paraphrasing. He said something to this effect. You know, it'd be all right if us fundamentals were nice to people. <laughs> That'd be all right. He's kind of mocking his own people, saying, listen, just because you have some things you believe in doesn't mean you got to be rude to everybody doesn't agree with you, right? So we have that extreme. They say they have love, but boy, it sure doesn't look like love. And then we have the wonderful liberal churches who say this, oh, we're not like those fundamentalists. If you're living a sinful life, we want you here. We will accept you here. If you call yourself a Christian and you're living with your companion or your your boyfriend, your girlfriend, if you're, um, you know, if you're going out and getting drunk before you come, whatever you're doing, hey, we love you. We are love. We'll love you any way you are. How many of you know that's not love? Amen. <laughs> you guys with me? What I'm saying is we we have a perversion of love, and then there's the whole we're not going to judge you because judge not be not judged. We're not going to lo- judge you because we love you. All of those things are a perversion of love. So this morning, my desire is to teach you what love really is. I said it's going to be the hardest message I may have ever preached. We've come a long ways in this church. There's there's a lot of great things happen. I believe there's a lot of spiritual growth in this church. Before I go any farther, can I just ask, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, sign a card, anything else, but I just wonder... Are there any of you here that would really like to know what love is? Would you really like to know what love is? What God says love is? Because I think we need to know, and, and, I, and I really think we don't know what love is. And this is going to be challenging. So I am going, this is a phenomenal chapter. I love the 12th chapter of, of Romans. And these verses that we've read are just so phenomenal. And I'll be honest, they really have spoke to my heart. But we're going to do this backwards. Uh, um, so we're going, to, we're going to kind of flip these verses around a little bit and do it backwards. I know this is not my typical outline. Uh, it was kind of strange for me too, but this is just the, the, the best way I could understand how to do it. The guy wants to. But if we look at, if we look at these instructions here, these are instructions for the Bible. 
body. Last week we talked about the body all working together. And here we have some very clear teachings on how the body should operate. So we're going to kind of go through those quickly uh, if, you, if you'll try to follow along with me. Uh, but, the, but the first thing we see on how the body should be operating. So here's what I want you to get. Everything we're going to study this morning is a corporate message. This is how this body works together. This, this church, this congregation, this is how we work together. It says not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Uh, this, is what, this is what I put down. Uh, diligently working together. It says, uh, um, uh, I believe in context there, it, it is not, it is not, I'm not saying you can't use it for that, but this is not talking about going on out of your workplace and doing a good job. It says, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. You're working together. Here's my thought on this, church. Here's my thought on this. We are a very strange church. I don't know if you guys realize this. We are a very, very strange church. I've thought about this, and really this morning, the first time I really understood this. We're a strange church in this. Whenever we do anything, how do we always do it? Together. That is very strange. It's so strange to the point I have had this thought, Sister Georgia. I have thought, I have thought we are such a strange church because everything we do, we do together. I mean, everything we do, we do together. And I've thought this, what if somebody comes into the church and they say, I want to go to your church, but I don't want to be a part of everything you guys do. But that's what we do. But here's what the Lord showed me this morning. I mean, I got kind of excited. That was what he meant for it to be. See, today in America, going to church is you go to church Sunday morning, you pay your tithes, carry your King James Version Bible, wear your suit and tie, you go home, live your life, and you're not bothered with all that church stuff. You don't have to go there and work on Saturdays. You don't have to do things. You don't have to have events. You don't have, it's just you go to church, be a part of the church, you pay your dues, you remember, and hey, you're a Christian, you go to heaven. But the New Testament, they said, they were always together. They were always together. Just do everything together. It's phenomenal to me, but very, very little do we do around here that everybody's not involved. The Easter event, the work Saturdays, everything we do, everybody's involved. And that's God's plan. That's God's plan. If you look at, uh, if you look at the Spirit in verse 11, small s, that means your spirit. That means your spirit is working diligently with the rest of the body. And I think that is God's plan. I don't have time to spend a lot of time on all of these points, but I just want you to understand the way we do it is the way the New Testament says to do it. That's how church is supposed to be. When you come in, you're supposed to be a part of what's going on. And I don't mean to be ugly, but just because your name's on the roll doesn't mean you're part of what's going on. It means you're part of what's going on when you're here. Is that too complicated for everybody? <laughs> if you're not here, you're not a part of it. So when you're here, that's, that's what the Bible says we're supposed to be. Moving on, it says rejoicing in hope. Now, hope in the New Testament is a reference to our salvation. It is a hope of what we have waiting for. It is a hope of our, of our sins being forgiven. It is a hope of what God has done for us. It is, it literally, if you look that word up in the Greek, it literally says it is the, the expectation of the salvation that God has given us. So I just want to say this I, real quickly. I'm trying to go through these, but I just want to say this real quickly. Should we come to church and, and brother Kevin, should we be celebrating we're saved? 
We are Christians. We come to church, and, and not just we get to go to heaven, but praise God, my sins are gone. I want to worship Jesus. I think that worshiping Jesus ought to be, what well, we ought to come out here with an excited spirit to worship our Lord. I think we do a pretty good job of that. I don't get, the, you know, you don't, if you're sitting back here, you don't always get to see it. But when you're up here, it is a blessing to look back and see so many people worshiping. Right? People raising their hand. I mean, all different ways of doing it, but, but we're worshiping our Lord because we have a hope. We're rejoicing in that hope of salvation. Patient and tribulation. The word patience is, in, is, in, is the word endurance. Um, so here's how, I, here's how I want to frame this. <clears throat> Endure hard times together. So if we're going to work together, and we're going to do events together, and we're going to eat together, and we're going to have church together, can I just say what the Bible says? We're supposed to do everything together. And if one of us has a hard time, we're all having a hard time. Do you guys get that? If there's one person who has health problems, we all are concerned about that one person. If one person is struggling uh, in their marriage, we're all, we're all in this together. We're enduring hardness because that's what we do. We, we're, we, we're, we're carrying one another's burdens. We're enduring together with it. And, and as we look back over, you know, if you look back over all, the, all of the years at the church, we've been through a lot. We went through death and sickness and, and just a lot of, you know, you can't have people without having a lot of problems. Is that right? We, we, you have problems. But what do we do if one of us are, are, are going through something? We all go through it together. Can I tell you that's the way it's supposed to be? That's what church is supposed to be? And, and not to rabbit trail here too far, but back to the churches that are not like that. Wouldn't it be a lot easier if I didn't have to be a part of everything going on, and every time you have a problem, then I don't have to have a problem? I'm having a whole lot easier. If your life's falling apart, my life's good. I'm not really too worried about it. I'm having a good time right now. Instead, we tie ourselves together. And if one of us got a problem, we all got a problem. Can I tell you that's New Testament church? That's what it's supposed to be. <clears throat> and then it says, um, find my place, <clears throat> continuing instant in prayer. That's, that's kind of important. That's kind of important. We have the prayer groups going on around here. I hope, I hope that everyone is a part of that. There's, there's five things we are praying God will bless us with in the church. Uh, um, we, we pray when we, again, we've already said it, when there's sickness in the church, when there's hard times, when there's one of us are going through something, we're all praying for them together. Um, we have a reliance on prayer. We talked about this last week, but, but whether we're doing a, the Easter event, whether we're doing youth camp, whether we're doing OCC, whether, whether we're having a revival, whatever we're doing, we understand we can't do it without God helping us and we pray to him in a reliance saying, God, we need you. We need you to do this. We'll never have a good... Listen, brother, we love Brother Sonny and I appreciate Brother Sonny and, and he's a dear brother to us, but listen, he will not bring us a good revival. We have to get a hold of God and surrender ourselves where we're able to the Lord to give us a good revival. So we rely on prayer to give us, a, give us the things that we need. <clears throat> then it says, um, verse 13, distributing to the necessities of the saints given to hospitality. So I put, we take care of each other's needs. 
That should just be the natural thing that we do. One of us is in need, the rest of us are there to help them. That's, is that easy to understand? That, that's just the way it is. We, we're there to take care of one another in a time. And it's a, you know, uh, I think most of you are, are where I am at. I would much prefer you to be in need and me give you something. <laughs> I would much prefer that. I enjoy giving people money. I enjoy helping. I don't like to be the one who has to say, I don't have it. I need it. But it's also good to know that you are with people who care about you. And if there is a need, that they will be there for you. <clears throat> Hospitality. Uh, given to hospitality, this word does not mean what I thought this word meant. <clears throat> but if you'd allow me to rabbit trail just for a minute, me and Renee have this conversation a lot, but, and a lot of you are too young to remember this. But those of you that are old like me, you'll remember this. <clears throat> but how many of you remember the day, Brother Bo, remember the day when we didn't go to Walmart and we didn't go to Burger King and we didn't go to town every five seconds and we didn't play on the internet all the time? Do you know what we did? We stayed home and spent time together. My entire childhood, me and Renee talk about this, my entire childhood was either someone coming to our house or us, me going to someone else's house. That was my childhood. I don't have any remembrance of going to the town, going to malls, going out to eat, going to, it was spending time together. And I know we're not going to change, we, listen, we're not going to change, unless we become Amish, we're not going to go back and, and live in that day. That's, that, that's, that ship has sailed. But I do think there's some things we could learn from that. <laughs> there was a benefit to slowing down from all the fastness and spending time together. But, but that's another message. But, but we have lost that hospitality. So I always thought that this verse is basically what this meant was you need to have people come to your house and let them stay for hours and days and weeks and months. And, and that's being good at hospitality. And, and, and that's another message. But this word means something totally different. If you look it up in the Greek, it does not mean what I thought it meant. It literally means loving strangers. Literally what it means. So as a church family, as a corporate body, we are to be hospitable. You know what that means? Anybody that walks in that front door right there, you got one job. Love them. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what they smell like. I don't care what they act like. I don't care what your opinion of them was. I don't care what you've heard about them. You have one job. Love them. Treat them good. Make them, f get this. Get this, guys. Get this. Make them feel at home. Listen, there shouldn't be an awkwardness and uncomfortableness. I don't know if I fit in. That we ought to just love them so much they say, I just feel like I'm at home. That's what church ought to be. Amen. And so, and, and I, I've been to places at other churches, I didn't really feel at home. I didn't really feel like they wanted me there. But I have been to some churches, and it was just like being at home. And it has to do with the attitude of the congregation. So, <clears throat> now this one's really tough. <clears throat> it's, uh, this is really tough. Verse 14, bless them which persecute you. Ugh. Bless and curse not. I've got this. This is literally what it means in the Greek. Ask God to be good to those who do you wrong. Oh my gosh. What in the world? Who put that in there? Anyways. So when Brother Kevin is being mean to me and he lied to me and he did me wrong and he did all kinds of things, I've got to say, God, would you please give Kevin a great day and let things go well for him? 
What in the who thought that up anyway? That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. But you know, that's what the Bible says. You know, we got this little fast going on. We're not talking about one another. But the Bible literally says if someone's doing you wrong, you're supposed to ask God to bless them that things would go good for them. <laughs> I haven't got to the hard part yet, but that's something to chew on. All right. <clears throat> Lastly, let's look at Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. We just share all things as a body. And I've got emotions in, in, in uh, parentheses there. In the body of believers, if Brother Steve wins $100,000, I ought to say, I am beyond happy. My brother's blessed. If someone in the church gets a huge promotion and they double their pay, I would say, I am so thankful God blessed them. If someone gets some, a new material thing, if someone uh, gets healed, we heard this morning uh, uh, the reports of Jamie and Charlene and the reports that were given in of God healing. We had to say, boy, I'm so excited. God blessed my brothers and sisters. What it's saying is there is a rejoicing in, in, in the, the blessing someone else is getting. Does anybody know what that's called? Love. When you love them, you're not thinking, well, why did he get that and I didn't? I work a lot harder than he does. No, we're thinking, I'm glad my brother is blessed. Amen? Amen? And, and, that, and that's the way we ought to. So we're sharing in the good times. We're sharing in the bad times. We're sharing the emotions. Of whether they're doing good or whether they're doing bad, we're, we're, we're sharing these things together. All of those are fantastic instructions. I wish we could just take a, 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 a message for each one. They're all phenomenal. I hope that you will remember them. I hope you'll not forget them. But I want to get to, to the, uh, the hard part now. Impossible love. Impossible love. Now, I thought about, when I, when I seen what this was going to be about, I thought about this. And I thought, you're going to preach love to Sand Hill Church? Because St. Hill Church is a loving church. Amen? So far as I know, we don't have anybody here who hates anybody else. We don't have any fighting or friction or sides or just divisions. Or we don't have any of that going on here. As far as I know, we are a very loving people. And so I'm thinking to myself, Lord, you're going to have me preach a message on love to the St. Hill Church? We got it. We got it, Lord. We got it. We're good. Let's go to the next verse. And then he began to show me that we don't have it and that we need to go to the next level. Now, we're talking about Brother Sonny coming up here and we're talking about going to the next level. And um, some of you may think uh, this, whenever I got up and said we don't need a revival, some of you might have thought, well, that's mighty, mighty uh, arrogant of you to say that. But if you go over in the sixth chapter of, uh, of Hebrews, it says this. It says, um, you, you get down baptism, salvation, and, and repentance, now move on to something else. What I'm saying is, if, you, if you're doing the basics, you need to do better than that. We need to move on, so that's what we're going to do. So I think we have the basics down for love. I think we're a very loving church. I think you guys are great loving people. So we need to move on to the next level. So what is the next level of love? Anybody want to know what the next level of love is? Does anybody want to know what it is? It's really, really hard. We could stop now and you wouldn't have to know. Because it's, it's really, really hard. 
I love it when this happens. I don't know if it happens to any of the other preachers. The other preachers are probably a lot smarter than I am, and it probably doesn't happen to them. But this is what happened to me this week. And, and I feel kind of stupid saying this, but this is what happened to me. So I, was, I had read the scriptures down through the week, and I had been praying about it. I really felt like the Lord was giving me what I was supposed to be preaching on. And so I was kind of thinking the message out, and was getting ready to preach what I was going to tell you guys here just in a second. And I got down this morning, after I had thought about this all week, felt like the Lord had given it to me. And I read verse number 10, and it says, Be kindly affectionate one toward another with brotherly love. King James Version, that sounds interesting, doesn't mean anything. So I looked it up in the Greek. I was blown away. Because you know what it said in the Greek? Exactly what God had been telling me in the Spirit all week long that I was supposed to preach this morning. <laughs> right? What I'm saying is, before I looked up the Greek words and knew what the definitions meant, He'd already give me the message He wanted to preach because God, guess what? Jesus knows Greek. Amen? He already knew the definition of the word before I looked it up. So that was pretty amazing to me. So here's, here's where we're, we're going to, and this, the rest of the message is going to be very real. I beg you, I beg you, I beg you to tune in. This will, this will change your life. This will change the Sand Hill Church. If we want to go to the next level, I beg you to tune in right now. I want to challenge us this morning that we are to treat everybody in the body like blood. Anybody ever heard that expression, blood is thicker than water? You know what that means? I love all you guys, but my family, that's different. Right? I love all of you guys, but, but blood's different. Right? Can I just say this real honestly and real straightforward? That's human nature. Listen, can I just say this? If you don't love your kids more than you love someone's not your kids, it's, there's something wrong with you. Is anybody with me? Maybe nobody wants to say that, but it's true. And, and so it is a normal response, a normal thing that happens that you love blood more than you love everybody else. That, that's just a normal thing that happens. So here's where we're going to get real. Anybody want, we're going to get real this morning. You guys want to get real? All right, let's get real. All right, I, I need you to participate. We're going to do a little exercise here. I need everybody to participate. Okay? Please help me here. I need every single person here, everybody here this morning, I need you right now, please don't say it out loud, I need you to think about the one person in this church that you have a hard time with. Because I'm pretty sure everybody's got one. I mean, I think we love each other, but there's that one person, they just do things that, just, just, you just struggle just a little bit, right? You have nobody, maybe you should take the message and I should go sit down, right? <laughs> but if you have one person that, in this church that you just, I mean, I know you don't hate them, I, I get that, I know you love them, I, I, get all, I, I get all that, but they just... You just have a little bit of a struggle with it. Do you got your, you got your one person? Everybody got their one person? There's one person that you just kind of struggle a little bit with. Here's what the Bible says. I've never been guilty, says Georgie, you guys know, in all my years here, I've never been guilty of playing on your emotions. I'm going to play on your emotions this morning. <laughs> I'm going to play on your emotions. Here's what the Bible says, people. That one person that you struggle the most with, 
that kind of irritates you, kind of rubs you the wrong way, you're supposed to love them. I'm going to hit below the belt right here like you love your grandbabies. Because we all love our kids, right? But now let's talk about grandkids. It's a whole nother level, right? It is a whole nother level. It's a whole nother universe. And so in all seriousness, just as serious as, a, as I can possibly be, if any of my grandkids, so if we fast forward, Case and Callan, Cara, Juliet, they're all adults, 18, 20 years old. And one of them does what you guys do, what do I do? If Kaysen grows up, he is a Christian, he is a born-again Christian, he is in this church, he grows up, he is now 20 years old, and he just starts not being very faithful coming to church. He comes sometimes, sometimes he don't. He ain't saved. I have nothing to do with him. I don't kind of cold shoulder him when he comes in. Can I tell you, there ain't nothing in this world that that boy could do that I wouldn't love him. Are you guys with me? Do you guys get this? But God said, that's how I'm supposed to treat the one of you guys that really irritates me the most. Is anybody getting this? Kaysen grows up, and he would rather go out and do worldly things than come to church. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Can I tell you what I won't do? I won't give him a hard time when he comes back to church. You won't see me not cold shouldering him. Not be, you won't see me getting around saying, oh, that Kaysen, I just, you know what? With my whole soul, I love that boy. Is anybody getting this? That's how I'm supposed to love you guys that rub me the wrong way. Is there anybody here that loves their grandkids? But boy, you really can't describe that, can you? That, that feeling that you have for them. Now, I, I, I want to I say this. I want to I get this right. We understand in this church that we don't cover up sin. Right? Are you guys with me? We've all seen those people. We've all seen those people in church that, you know, their, their child could go out and, and, you know, do the worst sins ever was. And they come back to church and say, oh, no, they didn't do anything wrong. I'm not talking about that. That's stupid. Okay, that's stupid. And we know there are some, but, but that's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about if my grandkids sin, I'm not going to say, honey, that's okay. God understands. You just keep right on doing that. I'm not going to say that. I am going to fall on my face with everything I've got and say, God, get their attention and get them where they need to be. Amen. And I'm going to love them. with their, And when they come to church, I'm going to treat them like royalty because I want them to be right with God. And the way I want them to be right with God is the way I'm supposed to be right with all of you guys. Does this make sense to anybody? Now, God forbid, and I don't even like this. I don't even want to say it. Rachel, plug your ears. But what if, God forbid, what if one of my grandbabies grow up and they decide to go shack up with somebody? I don't have nothing to do with them. They ain't coming to my house. I don't want nothing to do with them. I believe they're doing that. What would you do if it was your grandbaby? You'd love them with everything that's in you. Now, I am never going to tell my grandbaby, God understands, he doesn't mind, that's okay. We don't have a problem with that. I'm never going to do that. But can I tell you, if they sin as bad as they can possibly sin, this grandpa's going to love them. And I'm not going to stop loving them. 
and I'm not going to stop praying for them. I'm not going to turn my back on them. I'm not going to run them down. I'm not going to cold shoulder them. Here's a funny thing, just a, just a short little rabbit trail. If your family, or no, if someone who's not your family in this church does something they shouldn't do, oh, pastor, are you going to take action? I think they need to be removed from their office. I think they need to not be allowed to do that in a church anymore. Pastor, I think you probably should take their name off the book. But if it's your kids, it's your grandkids, oh, now we got to understand. we got to have some sense. we got to have some compassion. we got to have some love. Don't do that to them. But now them, yeah, you better let them have it because they're not blood. You guys get what I'm saying? Because Jesus said you are to love like you love your grandbabies. Boy, that's just way over us, isn't it? That's way over me. I, I don't know if you guys are aware of this or not, but I still live in the flesh. I still get irritated at people. I still get annoyed at the way people live. I still, you know, people come to me all the time, Pastor, did you see what they did? What are you going to do? Like I haven't even thought about it. Like it didn't even dawn on me that they're sinning right in front of us. But my job is to do all I can to get them back right with Jesus. There's an old, we don't do this in the church anymore. They don't do this in, in churches anymore. Well, I don't know if they don't do it in churches. We don't do it anymore. But this used to be a thing. This used to be something, there's probably a few of you that are old enough to remember this, but how many of you know there used to be a thing in church, and I've heard people promoted in this church a long time ago, but there used to be a thing in church, if someone does something wrong, we are going to shun them. And that just simply means when they come back in, everybody's giving them a cold shoulder. Everybody's being mean to them. Everybody's letting them know what a rotten scoundrel they are. And they're going to feel so bad. They will fall on their knees and repent. And they will get right with God. And that's the way we run churches years ago. And, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that was kind of done as a order of business. <clears throat> okay, now I need, need to let you know Josh did a really bad thing. And next time he comes back, I want every one of you that love Jesus to treat him really, really bad so he'll feel bad enough that he'll get right with God. That's a real thing. How I many know that's not a good idea? <laughs> I mean, you know, that's not a good idea. That, that's not a good way to And I've heard people say this very consciously. Well, that's how we get them straight is make them feel bad enough. You know how we get them, you know how we get them right? With God? You know how to make you feel 10 times worse? If you love them. I don't know if anybody's ever had this experience. When I was a little boy, well, not a little boy, when I was a young man, I did some things I shouldn't have done. Now, everybody knows my dad. Everybody knows my dad. He, he, he has kind of a reputation for being kind of harsh and, and, and mean and speaking his voice. and <clears throat> Right? I remember one time specifically. Do not ask me after church what this was because I am not going to tell you. But I did something really, really, really bad. I'm not talking I put a dent in the car. I'm talking I, I sinned bad. You know what my dad did to me? He came and got me. He loved on me. And he took me home. I'd have much rather took a beating. It had been so much easier if he'd just wore me out, yelled and screamed, got mad at me, rant and raved. I'd have said, he just don't understand. I'm going to go back and do it again. But he loved me. Broke my heart. 
I was so broken. I even told some of my friends that I was getting in trouble with. I said, I wish you had just yelled at me or done something mean to me. He loved on me. Can I tell you, it works that way in the church. <coughs> if you're going to go out and get in sin, the best way we can make you feel horrible is just love you to death when we come back. We all know what you did. We're going to love you to death. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Now, that's how we have church people. That's how we have church. So we're going to treat everybody in the church. That person who irritates you the worst, we're going to treat them like we would treat our grandbabies. Now, some of you may be thinking, that's just too hard. I don't think Jesus really would expect that of me. I mean, one, listen, one thing is my grandbabies is one thing and everybody else is something totally different. I don't think Jesus really expects that out of us. Well, this word here literally means, if you look it up in the Greek, I was blown away. But if you look up being kindly affectionate one toward another, do you know what that means? This is literally what it means. If you look it up in Greek, it's literally what that means. Kindly affectionate. It, this is literally what it means, people. Treat other people like you would treat your family. <laughs> That's what it means. And... In verse 9, it says, love without dissimulation. How many of you used dissimulation this week in a sentence? How many, of you, how many of you said that this week in a sentence? Dissimulation. Do you know what that word is? Hypocrisy. It's not real. Let love be without dissimulation. Let it be without, let it be real love, not, not hypocritical love, not saying it with your lips, but not doing it with your heart. So you say, Pastor, I think that's just too hard. I think that's too much. John 15, 12 just occurred to me in Sunday school, but Josh always quotes, what is it, Josh 15, 15? This is just a few verses, there's just a few verses back, but this is what it says for 15, 12. This is my commandment, Jesus speaking, that ye love one another as I have loved you. I know this is hard to grasp. I know this is hard for us to get, but can I just tell you something? The way I love Kaysen is nothing compared to how Jesus loved me. Now, Bessie, that's hard for me to swallow. I don't know how anything's greater than my love for my grandbabies. That doesn't seem possible. But Jesus said, the way you feel about your grandbabies, pff, multiply that by a gazillion. That's my love for you. And that is how I want you to love everybody else in the church. So I guess we could do a little better. I guess, we could, I guess we could have a little bit more love than what we have now. So here's my, here's my uh, when you put all of this together, everything that we studied this morning, all those, all those 12 chapters, all the verses that we studied, uh, don't, don't leave me, stay with me, get this. If you understand what that's saying, I think this is so critically important, and, and this seems like the most obvious thing I could ever say, but has it dawned on us? The church body, if we are to operate as a New Testament church, the way Jesus had it designed, everything we do is like a family. Everything we do is like a family. We've gotten away from it a little bit at this church now, um, and maybe I should start promoting it more than what we do, but it used to be in this church. Years ago, it used to be in this church. The way I think it should still be today, but it used to be in this church. Every, if you were a Christian, it was brother, brother Darren, brother Bo, 
Sister Tina, Sister Dot, that's everybody was a brother and sister. Right? That, that's the only communication. Kind of rubbed me a little bit the wrong way when it started saying Mr. Mr. Josh. Mr. Jenny. I kind of started rubbing me. I know it's not Mr. It's it's or Mrs. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jenny. But that kind of rubbed me the wrong way because it's like, no, that's family. That's not that's not an acquaintance. I call people at work uh, Mr. and Mrs. I don't call my brothers and sisters, but literally the church is to function as a family. As a family, literally as all one blood, we do everything together. Literally as a family, if one has a problem, we all have a problem. How many of you know that in my family, if Kalen is sick, the rest of us aren't going to say, well, I don't care, Kalen's sick, we're going to go have a good day. Listen, if Kalen's not, all of us are down. Right? We're all in this together. If, if one of my family members needs something, if any of my, if any of my kids or my grandparents need guess I'm going to do everything in my power to give them what they need. Because that's my family. He said, that's how the church operates. Do you guys see everything I just preached this morning is literally saying everything we do as a church is to be just like family. We have a father who's in heaven. We are all his children and we are to work as one family together. Now, the last thing I'll say, I started this out. The title is, uh, what is it? Unrealistic command. I said impossible love. Let's just be real here just for a second. All, all of you guys just engage back in with me. I'm going to let you go here. Just hang on. How, is there anybody here that would admit, I, I'll, I'll raise my hand. Is there anybody here that will admit that to love that person in this church that irritates you like you love your grandbaby is absolutely impossible? It is beyond impossible. There's just no way I can love them like I love my grandbabies. That's just absolutely impossible. Because I can do nothing in myself. But the Holy Spirit could make me love them the way I love my grandbabies. Does anybody believe that? Now, Renee stood up here, and, and most of you know Renee's story. But Renee stands up here, and she says, just a few minutes ago, I didn't used to love you guys. <laughs> what in the world? I didn't used to love you guys, but now I do. Did Renee say, I just started trying a whole lot harder? I just started making myself do it. What'd she say? God had to climb inside of me, gut me out, and then I started loving you guys. I was there to watch. See, Renee can't love you guys unless God gives it to her. You're not capable of loving like this until the Holy Spirit fills you. Can you guys just imagine... I already said, we don't have division, we don't have fighting, we don't have people that don't get, we don't have any of that going on here. But can you just imagine if literally, I'm not talking figuratively, I'm talking literally, if every one of us loved the way we love our kids, the way we love our grandkids, we loved every single person here. Anybody want to be a part of a church like that? That's what God called us to. And here's what blows my mind about the whole thing. I'm preaching this, and I feel like I belong on another planet. I'm preaching this, and I feel like this is so far beyond anything I've ever heard. I'm preaching this, and I'm thinking I've never seen one church on the planet do this. And then I'm reading the Bible, and I'm saying, this is just the basic plan. This is just what God said. This is just what church is supposed to be. <laughs> it's nothing. We're, listen, we're not extraordinary. We're not special. We're simply doing what the Bible says. 
We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.